0: Okay, so good afternoon, and welcome to the Feeling Fly podcast, where me, your host, Makaya, speaks to other first-generation, low-income students about their experiences getting into um, colleges and universities across the nation. So today, we're gonna be discussing moving out of state for college, and I'll be speaking with a great friend of mine, Named Angelina, and Angelina, I'll pass it over to you and let you introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Angelina. I'm from Houston, Texas. I'm a current sophomore, class of 2025. Um, I've yet to declare because I procrastinate, but I am Prospective Education Studies and Psychology double major. And I'm flight
0: yay okay so thank you so much for being here first of all um and so you know i know you pretty well but i want our audience to get familiar with your experience here including like the highs the lows but specifically related to you being an out-of-state student um that's something that i know is especially hard for first-generation low-income students and so i guess the first question i want to ask you is just why Amherst you know so cliche i just cringe at myself but like i need to know um what sort of fueled your decision to come to Amherst
1: well as i'm sure a lot of fly students will say money was definitely a big impact um if i had honestly gone anywhere else i would have been expected to pay money for tuition and that was just something that i couldn't afford especially because as a flying income student, my parents wouldn't be helping me with paying the tuition. So that was something that I would have to cover on my own. And my parents were so adamant on me, you know, focusing on my education, just because they've always seen it as a pathway to, you know, climb that social mobility ladder. But because of their heavy emphasis on education, I was actually not allowed to get a job. And so that was kind of a fear that I always had was well, I, I don't have work experience. How how am I going to get a job when I'm in college? Um, and it was really because I didn't know what work study was until I got here. But aside from that, although that was like a ve- a really big impact as to the decision I made on where I was going to go, I also appreciated that you know Amherst is a small liberal arts college and they have an open curriculum, so I wasn't going to be limited. Um, the way that I felt I was during high school and middle school because as, this is gonna sound very repetitive, but as a first-generation low-income student, my school was very under-resourced. And so I felt like coming to an institution like Amherst, I would be able to broaden my scope as far as what educational pathways would be open to me, especially through an open curriculum.
0: Right, okay, well, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, It seems like a lot of the points that you touched on were related to sort of like the financial aid award. And so I guess what I would ask also is like, you know, with you being from Texas, why was it like Amherst? Was it just because they had this distinct financial aid package? Were there other schools that you looked at that had similar like need blind admissions policies that were closer to home that you considered? Or was it only Amherst for you?
1: So what I would say is interesting about Texas is that there aren't many private institutions. A lot of them are very large public universities, not yes. necessarily colleges. Mm-hmm. And even some of the schools that I applied to in-state, you would think like, oh, well, I'm an in-state resident, so obviously I'm not gonna be paying as much tuition as an out-of-state resident. Yet if I had stayed home, if I had went to my safety school, I would have been expected to pay twenty thousand dollars in tuition, right? And that would be including, you know, financial aid awards, scholarships, mm-hmm. and with the institution being aware of my financial my financial situation. And so I knew that I knew early on that I was not going to be staying in Texas, just because our education system is not the best there. Um, So I kind of knew I was always gonna go out of state and Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted a private institution just because of their relationships with donors. Mm -hmm. I know that they have more availability as far as resources, um, especially when it comes to awarding financial aid. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were a few other institutions that, you know, they did offer me really good packages as far as like, well, you know, I wouldn't have to pay this 80,000 tuition, but I still had to pay X amount Right. And being on my own, even though that X amount might look really good to other people, that was just something that I couldn't afford on my own.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm wondering how your relationship with home sort of influenced your coming to Amherst. So what I mean by that is was there any part or aspect emotionally in terms of distance that you considered as you were applying to college? Um, Was there anything that you thought might be particularly challenging before you got here?
1: Well, I come from a large family. I have five siblings um, and we're all very close. Like I would say, well, at least we have large age gaps, but I consider us to still be very close. And so the siblings that I did live with at home, um, we were extremely close, like very close-knit. And it was to the point where a lot of people would often think that we were all the same age despite our large age gaps. Um, and I love my parents. I love spending time with them. We would often just like have a movie night on the weekend just two, just whenever we could. And so when it came time like to do the college research process and figure out, okay, well, what do I wanna do? Like, where do I wanna go? My parents really wanted me to stay in state. They really wanted me to stay close to home and my sister actually was the first in like our large extended family to ever go to college and she ended up going to Pennsylvania and she still she also went to a small private liberal arts institution but they were not as generous with the financial aid and so I think seeing my parents struggle with that and having to tell my sister like well we can't afford it this year I'm sorry that was really hard. And yeah. I didn't want to place that burden on my parents mm-hmm. just because they've already gone through it. Why would I do that to them again? Right. And so even though they wanted me to stay close to home, I knew what I had to do, not only for myself, but also for my family.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's say that there's a university in Texas. What What would you call it if you were just naming a university? like just a random university just any well okay we'll say college because we're you know we're amherst college liberal artsy people so okay so there's a college in texas Mm -hmm. and say that it has everything that amherst has to offer including the exact same financial aid um what would you call it (laughs)
1: Well, people who know this nickname for Houston will probably think I'm really cringy. (laughs) But I would call it Clutch City College.
0: Clutch City College. Okay, so say that you had competing offers from Amherst and Clutch City College, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And these financial aid awards look the exact same. The only difference is where they're located. If you had been admitted to both Amherst and Clutch City College, which admission offer would you have accepted?
1: You see, that's a very, that's a really good question. I would want to say I would choose Clutch City College Mm -hmm. just because Clutch City is the best city. Okay, I'm sorry, don't come at me. Um, But no, in like, being real, um, I, I would choose Clutch City College just because it would have everything... I wanted in in my college experience. I would have, you know, the liberal arts education, Mm -hmm. the small class sizes, the open curriculum, and then the plus of being close to home, of being close to my culture and my background and the place where I grew up. You know, Houston is a really big, diverse city, and even though I've lived there my whole life, there's still so much about my own city that I don't know. Right. And I feel like if I had stayed there for college, there definitely would have been more room for me to explore that to continue exploring the city and become more acquainted with it than mm-hmm. what I am now yeah um and so I really think if it came down to it I would have stayed
0: mm-hmm. okay so the reason why I ask you this about this whole fake scenario it's like I guess I do have a bit of an agenda maybe because essentially what I'm getting at is based on what I heard you say is that you know um, I don't know, maybe if there were just more options for first-gen low-income students, we wouldn't always be put in a position like this where we're forced to move across the country to better ourselves or to think about in terms of like social or economic mobility. Like we wouldn't have to always, because you speak, I mean, you do speak with praise about Amherst, you know, you do speak as though like, you know, it's not like you just woke up and you were like, the first college you saw was called Amherst, and then you were like, oh, I have to go, you know, there was some intentionality there. And even some intentionality that extended beyond the financial. But the bottom line is the financial was a consideration. And, you know, in terms of sort of like me asking you, what do you think that the distance did, you kind of framed it as like, a necessary evil, almost like, You know it's not as if you said like oh my gosh no my least favorite thing about Amherst is how far away it is like you never came out and said that but at the same time you know whenever I just ask you the simple question of like you have another institution that offers all the same things and it's closer to home it did take you a minute you did hesitate to think about it but you still chose Clutch City you know (laughs) like to me I think that there's something there I just wonder if we had increased opportunities would it always be this difficult for us, you know? And so now, what? like, with that leading question in mind, I guess, I'm going to ask you about what your experience has been like since you got to Amherst. And the first thing that I want to come back to is, uh, guess what, money. So, (laughs) you know, you don't have to give me any sort of figure because we're not about that. (laughs) But I just want to know, do you feel like, The sort of travel stipend that amherst offers if amherst does offer a travel stipend then do you feel like it's sufficient for you know you to go back and forth home as much as you would like to or even perhaps as much as you feel you need to
1: so the thing that's interesting about the travel stipend which i'm glad that you bring it up is because If you go to like the financial aid portal, you look at your financial aid award, like, you know, the documentation for it, it lists everything out like tuition and board, et cetera, et cetera. And when you look at travel allowance, it allocates like, I'm not sure of the exact number. I think it's like around the seven to 900 range. Mm -hmm. Um, You would be thinking like, oh, okay, wow. Like they're going to award me this X amount of money that I can use to travel. Like that's so great.
0: Yeah.
1: But the reality of it is, you never really see this money. Like, yes, the college does do some things, like, you know, they send us the startup grant of like $500 in the beginning of the semester, mm-hmm. which that's really useful, especially for a FLY student. But depending on where this FLY student is from, because not all FLY students are domestic students, you know? And so depending on where this FLY student is from, sometimes that 500 is not enough. Right. and. Not only that, but also just like the location of the school. Mm -hmm. The nearest airports, the nearest airport is Bradley International, which is in Connecticut. It's an hour drive, about or Logan, which is two hours. Mm -hmm. And so, not only do you have to pay for your flight, but you also have to figure out a form of transportation. And whether you rely on Uber or Lyft, that can literally go anywhere from 40 60 to 120 Mm -hmm. and so there's more than just the actual buying the ticket yeah that goes into traveling and i think the assumption on the college's part is that we're showing you all of these costs so this is what you should be planning for Mm -hmm. so yes we have this travel allowance but that's something that you should already be planning for and that's something that you should be providing you know, we're, we're relieving you of this X amount of money because we awarded you this much money. So that means you should be able to cover that yeah. seven $900, whatever that amount is mm-hmm. that they have set. Yeah. But like I said, like me personally, I never had any work experience. So I came here with no money. Mm-hmm. And even coming here, like I didn't have money to buy a plane ticket. And yeah. so my parents actually drove me up here. Mm -hmm. and Houston is about 1800 miles away (laughs) yeah so it was a long trip Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day putting all that money towards gas instead of a flight was cheaper it was Mm -hmm. the cheaper alternative yeah and I was still able to spend time with my family before you know coming and starting the semester starting the school year
0: yeah and so I think it's
1: it's, I think it's really interesting how they do put that on your financial aid award letter. Mm-hmm. But it's not really something that's ever seen. Right. And so even now, like, when it comes time for breaks or traveling mm-hmm. back home, I'm thankful that I was able to get secure a secure job here on campus yeah. um, through work study. Mm-hmm. And so I've just been saving my money. And anytime I travel home, it's from my savings yeah. that I'll use to purchase mm-hmm. the flight and because Houston is such a big city if you use like a main carrier if you book it early enough in time you can yeah. get it for as cheap as 400 dollars right which I say cheap very lightly because that is <laughs> not cheap yeah but relatively speaking like if I'm to wait even only like a month before the break mm-hmm. it skyrockets up to 700 800 sometimes even 900 dollars right and so it's like something that you really have to plan for yeah but then it's how do you plan for that when you don't know your final exam schedule yet
0: yeah or
1: when you have final projects and final presentations that you have to prepare for and get ready for
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so it's it's just a really hard or difficult process to navigate yeah just because there's outside factors aside from the monetary
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, process of traveling.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that you bring up a lot um, in your response. I have I've had a similar experience since being at Amherst. I remember the first conversation I ever had with the financial aid officer. Oh my gosh, it was so embarrassing. Cause he like called me, and I was so nervous. I was like, "Cause I mean, come on, I'm fly. I don't know nothing about college." Exactly. And so, I'm like, "Is this perhaps the person who read my entire admissions packet?" Why was I thinking that? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know how it worked though, and so I was so nervous. And then, and then he was like, "Oh yeah, I handled the Quest Bridge cases, so." I, I have seen like the elements of your application <gasps> I got so embarrassed I was like oh Whoa. gee he's seen everything the financial aid office sees that I guess so that's what he told me when he called and he was like um he was like yeah, we look at that because some of the things you share in like your admissions essay like helps inform um, like our knowledge about your financial situation so for instance if I wrote in my admissions essay about like hardship in overcoming like, um economic disparity then I guess that's information the financial aid office would need to know so it's like that does make sense to me but also it freaked me out because I was like oh no I'm so nervous (laughs) and so anyways this guy's on the phone he's like explaining he was very nice I don't even remember who it was but he was explaining my entire award to me and basically he was just like oh um so basically everything's taken care of Cause, you know i i matched to emers through quest bridge he's like everything's taken care of you just have to get yourself here and he said it so like i mean i get it like relatively compared to what most people going to college have to pay that is like a very small figure but i was also like then freaking out because i was like well how am i going to get there <laughs> um because i was like this they have this travel stipend built in but it's not like i'm gonna be able to touch it before classes start and so there is something that I feel like is uniquely difficult for first-gen low-income students, which is like separating your identity as a student at the college from your fly identity. So for instance, like the summer before college or during breaks, right? How does the college take care of you? Well, they don't, and they don't see themselves as having a responsibility to. You can't even request emergency funding for like um, January because you're not enrolled so they have no responsibility to take care of you in that moment but it's like um hello didn't you see that i put my entire life on the line to come here (laughs) like i was working a steady job at domino's before i came to amherst and that's how i was paying for gas and then i go back home um which already is probably coming out of my pocket because they only give me so much money to go home and usually that's like once a year it's basically like getting here and then getting home like that's how much they give me I would say and so you know whenever I go back home during Christmas break or whatever then it's like um what am I gonna do find some place to hire me for one single month like that's a lot to ask and so it's like do they consider that are these things that they consider whenever they build our financial aid award about how we as students are gonna be able to take care of ourselves whenever we're not relying on the college's aid system because we probably had to put other methods of survival that we had prior to coming to Amherst on hold to come here. And they always say like, it's okay, it's just four years. Like, you don't have to worry about this. Like, after these four years, you'll see like, you'll be in a much better position. So even if you have to put things on hold for now, like it's all gonna pay off in the long run, but I just wonder if they genuinely have these conversations about, like, oh, what is Makai going to do whenever she goes home during January because she's not, she doesn't have the same steady, stable source of income that she did before coming to Amherst because she left because of us. And so now are we in a position to help her during these transitional periods? Like, I wonder if those are things that they consider. And so whenever you bring up all these other things that are, like, these unseen little pockets, really, of like the financial aid award, so like, oh my goodness, you would not believe how many dollars I've spent on Uber, like Ubering to and from the airport, um, as you were saying, like whenever they don't have shuttles to take us to the airports. Exactly. That's so silly. How are you expecting us to get there, to walk? Like Bradley's like an hour away. And then some people fly out of Boston, which is like two hours away. One time I Ubered from Boston, that was so expensive. Oh my gosh, I don't even wanna know. <laughs> how much was it? It was like I think it was around two hundred. It was like one eighty I think. And that's for one way, like just you coming back? Yeah, that was just me coming to campus. And I was like so I was so fed up. And it was so long of a car ride too. It was just a whole day of travelling. And then the other thing that I wanted to bring up related to what you said was they always also too, they account for like um it's like built in like an economy ticket that's what they base their like prices around and like the money that they allocate for your travel expenses they base it around like you purchasing an economy ticket but there's other things i feel like they don't consider like for me for instance i was 17 whenever i came here and so it's like whenever i flew here um hello like i was young And i was dealing with anxiety like really bad anxiety at the time and so it's like having a layover was like with this being my first time in an airport like being by myself was terrifying like i was like i don't want to do this again like anything to get me like it was actually like my anxiety was so visceral the first time i went to the airport i was like i don't think that i can do this like i don't know having like a four-hour layover or something And prolonging this anxiety for this long you know what i mean and so it's like even now whenever i fly even if i fly economy i'll like pay the thing for like priority boarding or something just so that i don't have to like spend as much time in the airport actually having that anxiety and that's something that that's like a decision i make for myself but it's also like in terms of like having accommodations for people, I wonder if that's something that they consider because it's a very real thing. It was like, I remember the first time I went to the airport was so bad. I think I got there like four hours or something before my flight because that's how nervous I was that something was gonna go wrong. Like whenever I tell you I have anxiety, it's like, yeah, it's like clinically diagnosed, like (laughs) severe anxiety, like, and it was way worse then than it is now. And so, and again, like first time flying, a lot for a lot of fly students, this, you know, we're not we're not jetting around the world every single summer, like going to every single stop we can think of. Like that's not what we're doing. That's not the reality for us. So it's like, is there nothing that you can think <laughs> of to help to help us with this transition, this experience? There's so much stuff that's just like that it just seems like they're just like you have to take it. And a lot of the times it seems like the defense from I say the college and I'm aware of how vague that sounds. So what I really mean is like the administration and sometimes the faculty, usually their defense to any of the things that I bring up is that it's better at Amherst than it would be other places. And I get so sick of hearing that response because like just because something is better doesn't mean that it's not flawed. Like Amherst is not perfect, you know? And so whenever they give that defense, it's like, as if they're saying that Amherst is perfect, you know, I'm like, um, I'm allowed to still complain about things that I feel like are not fair. And I get it, maybe I should come to them with solutions, which is like part of the purpose of this podcast, to like, maybe think through some solutions for things. But honestly, like me having to do the work of identifying the problem, and then solving it for myself, and then bring you a solution. Like, what the heck? you're asking everything now like please calm down so it's just a lot so yeah I don't know if you have any thoughts on any of the things that I shared but I'll give the space so yeah whenever
1: you're talking about like traveling like travel time I think that's so important to stress just because it's like like how I was saying like if I buy a ticket in advance it's like four hundred dollars, which obviously that's not the cheapest ticket out there. There are probably yeah. tickets out there that are like in the $100, 200 range. But then those are from low fare airlines. Yeah. So then instead of getting to Houston in four and a half, five hours, mm-hmm. I'm not getting to Houston until twelve hours later. Yeah. And so it's like it always comes down to like, well, yes, like you know, traveling is expensive no matter what, but you're not only paying through money, you're paying through your time, you're paying through stress, like mm-hmm. that, that impacts you. Yeah. And I think that's something that, the, that not just Amherst, but multiple various institutions fail to realize is that for a lot of students, sometimes this is like the very first time they're flying ever. Yeah. Like going back home for winter break, that was only my second time ever flying. Yeah, and so I was I was so thankful to be able to come, you know, by way of car. Like my parents were able to drive me, mm-hmm. but that was also out of like the fear of having to travel alone. You know, my parents were worried for me as far as like, well, what if you get lost? What if you don't make your flight? Like, you know, how would you get through TSA? Right. My dad has never been on a plane.
0: Mm-hmm. My
1: mom's only ever been on a plane once in her entire life, so they couldn't really help me through the process either. Yeah, and. I think if there was some sort of system, maybe, you know, bringing back the shuttles, like, okay, mm-hmm. like, you know, we're going to have to ask you to start this experience by yourself because yeah. you have to come to us. Mm-hmm. But don't worry, there, there will be a person here to guide you the rest of the way. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe having some sort of system where you can meet up with other students mm-hmm. if your flight has a layover. Yeah. you know yeah oh well you know you're coming from North Carolina someone else is coming from Louisiana y'all mm-hmm. can just meet up in Washington and then from Washington fly here yeah and so I think I think there are so many like solutions mm-hmm. or maybe not necessary solutions because as you said like just because something's better doesn't mean it's perfect yeah there's always room for improvement but there are systems that we can put in place mm-hmm. that don't necessarily cost money and I think that's the thing that that institutions are so quick to offer Mm -hmm. they'd rather offer money instead of time or effort
0: yeah
1: and it's like for a fly student money isn't always an option like sometimes we would have to trade our time we would have to pay in time and pay in effort Mm -hmm. because we don't have the money
0: yeah yeah
1: And so I think that's also, like, a form of privilege that the institution has as far as, well, we have this money at our disposal. You know, we have this crazy X amount endowment. Mm -hmm. We can just give them money. If we incorporate this travel allowance, it'll make them feel better. It'll make us feel better.
0: Yeah. Because
1: we don't have to worry about how they're going to get here. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we planned for them. We showed them that they can budget for this amount of money. We're not telling them how, especially if they don't have a form of income. We're not telling them how they can save that, you know, maybe never having a job before.
0: hmm
1: But it's possible. They just need to figure it out for themselves. Yeah. And so I feel like this conversation of, you know, responsibility and agency. It's mm-hmm. It's like you're on your own until you get here. Yeah. And only when you're here will we help you. Mm-hmm will we extend a hand and say, hey, you know what? We'll try to shoulder as much as we can. Yeah. But as soon as you leave campus, as soon as you're no longer an Amherst student, those benefits disappear. That helping hand retracts. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of like, the disconnect of, you know, appreciating all the institution does slash offers versus what it doesn't becomes struggle to grapple
0: yeah yeah that's a lot that's really good <laughs> I'm just like taking it all in <laughs> um yeah so I do really appreciate you sharing all of that I am aware of our time and so I just want to ask you a few more things related to your experience um getting off my soapbox about the travel stipend. <laughs> okay so um one of the things that I want to ask is about the climate so um i was a Texas this, native everything. right <laughs> yes so it's like uh it's cold here right. <laughs> like this morning i woke up and there was snow on the ground exactly <laughs> and no one prepared me for that like nobody was like like the little weather app the weather app by the way just as a digression has been so inaccurate lately mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> like it was like oh 70 70 chance of rain rain all day
1: and then i get an Actually, um, it's not going to wait until after 5 p.m. And I'm like, you made me carry my ugly-looking polka-dotted umbrella that I got from Five Below
0: just to carry it around and not even use it. No, your umbrella's so cute. <laughs> it's like a style statement, you know? You know what? You're so right. Yeah. So don't even... You know what? Your style, your fashion sense transcends the weather. You
1: see, I, I get my inspiration from... <laughs>
0: So, yeah, anyway, sorry, didn't mean to rant or, you know, like, try to burn the, what is it? What's the company that does it? Is it AccuWeather? Maybe not, I might just throw an AccuWeather no, under Accu- the bus. I'm not sure.
1: Like, you mean, like, the main one, like, that's, like, on re- yeah, everybody's homepage? Yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: I think that's AccuWeather, no?
0: Maybe so. I don't know, no offense, sorry, AccuWeather, if it's not you. No, yeah, because, you <laughs> see, I have so much distrust for that weather app. It's so bad, it didn't used to be this bad. I use that, I use
1: Google. I checked yeah. the weather
0: on Google, I use the weather channel, which yeah. I don't even think, I think there's Oh, I think it's the weather channel, here. yeah, I think it's the weather channel, anyways, anyways, so, <laughs> thing the thing topic. is, there was snow on the ground, it wasn't supposed to be there, and so my question for you is, um, how do you prepare for, how did you prepare before you got here, and, okay, okay, we're just, we'll just start there, and then I'll ask my follow-ups. Okay, well,
1: like I said, I'm from Texas. -hmm. So snow doesn't really happen there. I mean, obviously in some parts of Texas, but at least the part that I'm from, Mm -hmm. I'm more of like a warmer climate. I'm right next to the Gulf of Mexico. You know, I'm by the coast, so we have a lot of heat, a lot of humidity.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so when it came time, like you know, I got my decision and I committed. Mm -hmm. I told my parents. Well, I'm going to Massachusetts, and my dad's like, it's cold up there. Like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, well, what what do you want me to do? I have to prepare. Like, I don't have a choice. Yeah. And so we would definitely, like, you know, go to stores back home and look for winter clothing. And so I would buy, you know, maybe, like, a pack of thermals from Walmart Mm -hmm. or, you know, some thermal socks yeah that were like maybe 10 bucks yeah but then they would be like really bulky or really (laughs) thick Mm -hmm. and you know my parents would tell me all the time like we should buy like you should let us buy you a winter jacket you should let us buy you a winter jacket like let us do that for you and it's like no like I I very much appreciate the sentiment because I know Mm -hmm. like in your eyes this is the least you could do yeah but the thing is is there is a difference of quality as far as the winter clothes that are offered back home versus the winter clothes that are offered here. Mm-hmm. And so I already knew that I wanted to wait until I got to campus yeah, and to look at winter clothes here just because I knew that they would be more acclimated to the actual climate rather than me trying to spend so much money back home
0: mm-hmm.
1: on clothes that I would have to layer
0: yeah,
1: and wouldn't even keep me warm enough, wouldn't have enough insulation.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And... You know, I started looking online, like, what stores were near here, and I saw L.L. Bean, mm-hmm. and I was aware of the brand before, and I know it's expensive. <laughs> and so, as I was browsing, I was like, oh, my God, this school is really about to make me drop two to $500 yeah. on a jacket. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, you know what? That $60 jacket from TJ Maxx is looking really good <laughs> right now. Mm-hmm. And I was so tempted to like, you know what? Yeah, let me just buy a jacket here. Yeah. But like I said, like I was also, I also recognized like the lack of quality mm-hmm. and the way that, you know, I had to rationalize it was like, okay, yes, like I have to drop, you know, this X amount of money, mm-hmm. but let's split it over four years. You know, yeah. this is a good quality jacket. It's going to last me all four years instead of me buying a $60 jacket every year. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, like a yearly payment. Like, that's how I was trying to rationalize it in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so whenever I found out that the school actually gave us, you know, a winter stipend Mm -hmm. and it was like this stipend of $400 and it was meant to buy winter clothes, you have no idea how happy I was. Like, I was like, mama, you don't got to worry about anything. I'm going to be warm. I'm never going to have a cold night. And so... I used that money to Mm -hmm. buy my winter jacket, you know, and I bought a pair of boots. Um, The jacket was brand new, but the Mm -hmm. boots weren't. The boots were second hand. I think I got them for $20. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, obviously they were worn because they're second hand, but they work. I don't need something brand new just to feel like, okay, like, you know what? This is gonna last me. This is durable because it's new. No, like. Even though it's, you know, used secondhand, maybe a little worn, that doesn't mean anything. That just means that it's durable and it's going to do its job. Yeah. And so I really was appreciative of, of that funding as far as, like, mm-hmm. you know, coming from Texas all the way here to Massachusetts. But I also feel like as far as the weather, obviously you hear the warnings of, like, make sure you get really good boots. Like, you know, it snows a lot here. It ices over like da da da, but then it's like actually navigating the campus during this like, I should have known better just because, (laughs) you know I've never like seen snow before like this yeah or dealt with ice the way that it falls here. Mm -hmm. But there would be times my first semester where I would be trying to book it to class, and I would literally almost die every (laughs) five minutes. It's bad out there. And so that was definitely something that I kind of had to learn. Like, okay, Andrea, like, it snowed last night. There's going to be ice. It's going to be, you know, hard to navigate. You need to make sure you leave your dorm early to make yeah. it to class on time. Yeah. And so it's, like, small things like that mm-hmm. that I feel sometimes aren't talked about as much, even though it's very much still part of the climate here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great response. It touched on most of my follow-up questions, too. <laughs> Um, A couple things that I want to say as well. I had, like, a similar situation where, you know, me being from North Carolina and from, like, the Foothills area specifically. So, like, whenever we do get snow, it's, like, not real snow. It's, like, snow that's blowing off the mountains. So, it's not even actually falling. It just happens to be blowing our direction. It just (laughs) happens to be there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, they would still cancel school. So, I mean, like, it's fine. But... Yeah. So it was same for me. And the thing is, like, for me, one of the worst parts of preparing for this climate was like, having to go off word of mouth. Like, I just wish Mm. that they would just literally say, get these boots, get this coat, it would be so much easier.
1: It would be so helpful. (laughs)
0: Because I talked to my advisor, and he was like, get things from L.L. Bean. And I'm just gonna be honest, this is no disrespect on L.L. Bean in case they ever want to sponsor the podcast. <laughs> but... <laughs> it would be
1: amazing.
0: <laughs> We'd be discount? eternally grateful. <laughs> Fly, okay. Fly discount, Fly discounts. So the thing is, those like L.L. Bean boots that everyone wears everywhere, like, yeah, they're fine. I don't think they're that cute, but like, they're fine. They help me get through a couple winters here at the same time as soon as things started icing over, those LLB boots don't do anything because they don't have <laughs> spikes on the bottom of them, which is what you need to walk on ice. Mm-hmm. So either stay inside your dorm or, you know- Just train. risk your life. Yeah, okay, and so the thing is, now I've invested in boots that are actually literally made for the ice. So much less of a safety hazard. The only reason I did that is because I literally broke my elbow last year and <laughs> then there was an like, right. ice storm and then freaking me trying to get to work on the ice, I slip and then I have to put all my weight in one arm because my other arm, um, my elbow is broken. So it was a really bad situation. so I was determined after that, I swore to myself. I was like, <laughs> we are never going out unprepared again. I bought these boots from Sweden. They were expensive, but you know what? They're made for ice. They protect me against dying whenever the water freezes over, as it does in Amherst. And so the thing is, I wish that they would just tell you these things, because how am I supposed to know, me, from a little small town in North Carolina, how am I supposed to know that you need to be able to get traction on the ice to walk on it? I didn't even know what traction was. I was like, are you talking about tires? Like, I was sitting there <laughs> talking about a car. Like, I know you need traction on the roads, but I was like this is my body these are my feet I didn't know that I need traction to just stand like gravity works the way it's supposed to where I'm from so I don't usually go slipping and sliding (laughs) around like that's not an actual real concern of mine and then here it's like my life flies before my eyes so (laughs) then you get like sent out some pamphlets or something like just to say like because I read this one article it was like Here are the best boots for the ice. Here are the best boots for slush. Slush is such a real phenomenon here. Like whenever it just keeps freezing back over and over and then like melting over and over, Mm -hmm. that's so annoying. I hate that more than like the regular snow. Cause I'm like, what am I gonna do? Am I gonna go slipping and sliding? Is this a safe spot to walk? I don't know. It's like a mystery. It's like a fun little game. So yeah, those are those are my complaints about <laughs> about the whole way that the that the winter clothing situation is handled. Um, okay, 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 okay. We've been talking for a long time.
1: But it's such a good conversation. <laughs> it's just such a good flow.
0: Yeah, I, I don't want to hold you like too long. I just have a couple more things I think people like fly students who either are applying, well, mostly fly students who are applying would like to know, but also maybe for like students who are already in college just like want to know they're not alone and so one of the things that I am interested in is the storage situation because you're from Texas we have said this several times but just for those in the audience who oh don't know God. yeah clutch city I exactly. feel so like I feel so weird saying it because I don't actually know what's being referenced like I don't know the full story you know mm-hmm. so I feel like um you know, a poser. But anyways, so the thing is, I bet that people are wondering, okay, if I have to uproot my entire life to go to some institution for four years to secure a certain level of economic or social mobility. No, they're probably not thinking that. They're probably just like, okay, if <laughs> yeah, I have to, yeah, <laughs> why I say it like that? Okay, but anyway, so they're probably thinking, I swear, Emerson has corrupted me. So the thing is, they're probably thinking, okay, I'm going to be going to a completely brand new place for four years, and getting my education. But what do I need to bring with me, first of all? And then also, um, how am I gonna get it all there? <laughs> so these are the questions that I'm now posing to you. How, first of all, what are some things that you are like, you want the audience to know if they're an out-of-state student, you should really bring this. I really encourage you to bring this with you to campus. Second thing, how do you get your stuff here? Well, actually you say you drove here so maybe i should (laughs) speak to that in terms of the flying piece but what do you do with your stuff in those weird in-between periods so yeah i know that's a lot but
1: no that's totally fine um so as far as what to bring from home Mm -hmm. i think you know in my mind was like okay i have to prepare like i have to bring extra masks i have Mm -hmm. to bring lysol i have to bring all this like there were there were things that I could have definitely bought here, but <laughs> my mom was like, "No, you have to take it from here. It's cheaper here. Just take yeah. it now, what well, we can." Because mm-hmm. it, it is true. Like I feel, yeah. I think like a, a bottle of lifestyle here is probably like it's crazy, <laughs> like twelve dollars for a bottle or something like ten now twelve. Now we have to
0: adjust for inflation.
1: And like Ooh. back home i be paying, like, the most for a Lysol. I be paying, I be, when I pay here for one bottle, I pay for, like, a two- or three-pack back home. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely, like, yeah, I, I had to look at the price difference here just because, you know, the standard of living is different. Right. But as far as what I felt, like, was essential for me that mm-hmm. I didn't bring in the beginning was something that reminded me of home. Right. You know, whether that's, like maybe a stuffed animal or, like, a blanket, even mm-hmm. a picture, like, yeah. I, I didn't have any of that, you know, I just thought, I just brought what I thought was essential, you know, okay, mm-hmm. I need stuff for my dorm, like, I need stuff, like, I need clothes, I need shoes, winter clothes, etc., school supplies, right, but while I was trying to, you know, accommodate to my other needs, mm-hmm. I wasn't thinking about, you know, my mental health and my emotional health as far right. as, well, I'm, almost two thousand miles away from home Mm -hmm. the only way that i see my family or talk to them is through the phone at least until i can go home that gets really lonely Mm -hmm. and i feel like you know the school offers things like parents weekend but i'm i'm a fly student my parents don't have that money they didn't they didn't have money to send me here by myself Mm -hmm. how does the institution expect them to pay for both of their tickets, yeah. plus my siblings. Yeah. And obviously, some fly students' parents can still come if they live close by. You know, maybe they live, you know, in Connecticut or Boston, New Hampshire, maybe. And so maybe they could come, you know, drive, not necessarily fly. Mm-hmm. But what about the students who don't live so close, who yeah. are farther out? And maybe mm-hmm. the only form of transportation is flying. Yeah. And so, you know, sometimes it, it, it does get lonely, you know, going out on Parents Weekend and seeing everybody, you know, give their parents a tour or tell them about their classes or, oh, yeah, you know, I took this class in the Science Center or, you know, Beneski's Museum, let's go tour it. Mm-hmm. And then you having to go back to your dorm just because, oh, well, my parents aren't here and my friends are out with their parents right now. Yeah. So I'm kind of just displaced.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so I think you know, bringing something that reminds you of home or a comfort item is really important, especially moving so far. Mm -hmm. And could you remind me of your other questions? That (laughs) was a
0: lot. The other question, well, I'll speak to the one about getting stuff here, Mm -hmm. but I wanted to ask you what you do with your stuff in periods where you're not actually on campus. Yeah.
1: So I think when I heard, like, you know, that the campus wasn't going to, provide fly students with storage anymore mm-hmm. that was kind of something that i was really relying on
0: yeah
1: and you know they they sent us these like postcards like oh boomerang storage you mm-hmm. know you can as a college student we have special plans and discounted rates da, da, da. and then you look at it it's like i can't afford that mm-hmm. you're trying to charge me like 100 150 200 dollars a box yeah and no I can't do that like that's almost half my plane ticket home Mm -hmm. and that's for one box of stuff yeah and so I was fortunate enough to be able to um work here during the summer yeah so I was on campus last summer Mm -hmm. and so you know Boomerang offered this like one-time storage policy where it's like okay we'll take your stuff and hold it for you for free, Mm -hmm. and then when you come back during the summer, we'll give it, you know, it'll be sent to your dorm, and it'll be there ready for you. Mm -hmm. But then after that, once you leave, you have to figure it out. Right. And if you're here close enough to the start of the semester, Mm -hmm. you can reach out to Housing, and sometimes they'll let you access your, you know, the following semester's dorm, wherever you're living and so sometimes they do let you put your stuff in there mm-hmm. which I think is really really understanding of the institution and I appreciated that so much because it was kind of like well there's only two weeks until the start of the semester what am I supposed to do with my stuff right. why am I going to pay for like a month of storage if it's not even going to be there for the full month mm-hmm. and so I, I was really happy that they were able to offer that to me mm-hmm. and I mean of course like I should say offer lightly just because I had to be the one to reach out to housing. It was nothing that was ever explicitly said. It was something that I had to go out seeking. Yeah. And they just eventually approved. Yeah. So I definitely had like a non-traditional storage situation Mm -hmm. compared to others possibly. Yeah. But for the period that I wasn't here, I often had to ask friends like, hey, can you just hold hold on to this for me if they were still here on campus? you know I'd be like hey like can you hold my fan until I come back or can Mm -hmm. you hold this box for me yeah and I feel like at least personally for me as a fly student it's really hard for me to ask people of things to say can you do this for me Mm -hmm. and especially knowing that some of the friends that I was asking they were also fly right you know they also had to worry about well what they were going to do for storage mm-hmm. you know they had to worry about how they were going to move from the first year quad right. to off-campus housing like Newport and Seligman right. and then back to Greenways mm-hmm. during the summer like that's a lot for them to move on their own mm-hmm. and now I'm adding to the mix you know putting my stuff on them saying hey like don't forget my fan too you gotta move this yeah. too and so I would say it was a really non-traditional way of storage and it's definitely something that I'm thinking about now you know looking mm-hmm. ahead to this summer what am I going to do yeah. and the truth is, is I don't know I've you know considered well maybe I just have to suck it up and pay for storage mm-hmm. but maybe I can find a few friends who maybe can't also don't want to pay that full monthly amount and we can just share the space yeah. and split the cost to make it more economically friendly.
0: Mm-hmm yeah thank you for sharing that Um, I've had a lot of difficulties with storage (laughs) Um, I usually like there's literally been times whenever I've decided to just stay on campus with my stuff so that I could get housing and that means that I'm working of course Mm -hmm. so I've chosen to continue working so I'm just like never getting a break because I've chosen to stay here and continue working at an on campus job just to secure a place for my stuff like it's so hard because my mom I love my mom to death she knows that but is she willing to drive 13 and a half hours to bring all my stuff here? No, she's not. She has to draw a line somewhere, and I blame <laughs> her. And um, I'm not doing it. I can't hardly get around Taylorsville. And that's like, we got like population 7,000 people. Like, I got nothing <laughs> to be scared of. But um, yeah, it's not happening because I don't want to die on the road. So, anyways, I'd be having to fly back and forth. And so, in terms of getting here, I was limited to I think three suitcases, which was like the standard. That was expensive to bring all that stuff with me. Um, to bring all that luggage aboard. Actually, it was a little cheaper because like it was the pandemic. Whenever I came to college, so like flights were really cheap. Cause I mean, really, are you supposed to be flying? No, did I? Yes. So it was a little bit cheaper. so I was able to actually get like a first class ticket or something for like the same cost of what now is like an economy ticket.
1: Girl, you wrote first class.
0: Yeah, it How was crazy. Was it? Um. I mean, to be honest, I don't really get the hype. (laughs) I was just, the only thing, I did get the hype because it included my bags. Like, I didn't have to pay extra for them. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like, those were, like, those came with the ticket. That was, so I was really happy about that. But in terms of the actual, like, seating arrangement, things like, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get (laughs) it. Yeah, I was like, I didn't need to get my stuff here. So anyways, I also had a sort of like non-traditional experience with getting things here in that way. Because now, oh my gosh, I really take it for granted because now my flights are so expensive. I could never imagine flying first class now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was limited to three suitcases. And the thing is also because of COVID, I knew that no one would be able to come with me to help me move. Like, it was only us. And so I knew that I was going to, whatever I brought with me, I needed to be able to carry it all by myself across campus. So, um, yeah, I did do that. It was difficult. But, you know, upper body strength for exactly. the win. <laughs> <laughs> have a gym <you>. If these if like our audience knew the amount of times like <laughs> me, you and Amelie be pushy stuff across campus oh, because of the storage situation, like too it's crazy. Times. Anyways, anyways. That, sorry, that getting that a little hill, bit like off. <laughs> oh, so I'm forgiving. Oh yeah, this is a very hilly campus. But anyway, so I knew I was gonna have to take limited stuff. I bought three suitcases with me. Everything else I had shipped to me. Or, like, I used the startup grant to buy things on Amazon that I already had at home that I knew it would just be smart to just buy it for to have here. And so, like, there's some things I have that I feel like are just duplicates. Like, I have something at home that's the same item. Then I have something here because it would have just been too difficult to bring it here. But it was something that I still needed. So, there's, like, I'm trying to think of an example. Like, hmm. My mind is just failing me right now. (laughs) Like Like an example of something you have a duplicate of? Yeah. I feel like there were definitely things that were like... That seemed like I couldn't travel with them. But like... I just ended up buying it once I got here. Like I think pillows. I don't think that I brought any pillows with me from home. Because they would have taken up too much space in my suitcase. Mm -hmm. So like I still have pillows at home. But then I also bought new pillows just for the like... You know... For being here, specifically. And there are more, yeah, yeah, okay, good thing I came across that example, because I was like, I'm floundering. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 but there are other examples of things like that, where it's, like, little stuff that I never would have thought, oh, this will be difficult for me to, like, bring with me, That then I just ended up buying duplicates of it. But, yeah, and also, shipping things, so expensive. Okay, so sometimes... Because I don't know if you ever mix up your home address and your school address. All the time. Oh, <laughs> I hate it. So I have these vitamins that I get because like, I low iron, so I get like iron supplements delivered. But whenever I'm at home, I have to change my address to get delivered home. So just recently, literally this happened this week, I had my vitamins I accidentally left my home address from whenever I had them delivered during December or during January. And basically, they got delivered to my home. So then my mom... I told her to overnight them because I'm running out and she was like, Oh, just say so you no, know, it's fifty-six dollars. It's a how much? For vitamins? That's $56? crazy. To overnight it. Anyways, anyways. How so... big was the box? <laughs> I think I think there's like it's a multivitamin and an iron supplement, but there's not that much other stuff in there. Like, unless they just put all packaging stuff. Like, I don't know. Cause you know how sometimes like they ship with like the plastic or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I'm like plastic. They better not be putting that much plastic in there. Like that's crazy. I didn't ask for that. <laughs> Take it out. <laughs> I only need. You can just put a label on the bottle and ship it to me. Exactly. It doesn't even need to be packaged. <laughs> like that's totally fine. But um yeah, so I made sure that I had stuff sent like days out so we wouldn't have to pay for overnight shipping. To so that they would be at Amherst by the time I got here. Some things still came a few days late, and that was a little awkward because, like, I didn't have a shower caddy for, like, a week, which was, like, oops, oh, well, it's fine. You can survive without a shower caddy. I highly recommend having one, but, yes. um, especially with these restrooms. You should definitely get a shower caddy. <laughs> and shower <laughs> shoes. Yes, and shower shoes, yeah, yeah. Please. Um, yeah, the showers are interesting but um <laughs> yeah so that's those are my those are my recommendations that's how I ended up getting all my stuff to campus and then in terms of storage I'm in the same place Angelina like I'm trying to save money I'm trying to save like in the thousands to afford boomerang storage because that's how expensive it is
1: exactly. so unnecessarily expensive like you say discount where this looks like inflation
0: <laughs> It is truly crazy so yeah right now i'm in that same situation i just think it's insane that they can bring you here but then again it's like the support just ends at mm-hmm. a certain place the other thing is whenever they did have storage that they offered to um fly students it was a four box limit like i know that i'm poor but dang i might have more than four boxes worth of stuff like that's just how it is <laughs> exactly like over the course oh. of your four years obviously
1: you're gonna get more stuff as time goes by yeah like you may have brought maybe like only three suitcases right mm-hmm. but like you said you still had to order things that you needed and yeah. eventually that's gonna collect over the time that you spend at an institution yeah. so for them to expect you to mm-hmm. like basically live out of those four boxes like here are four boxes put your entire college life into it
0: crazy
1: like you already asked me to put myself in a box in the application process now I have to do it for storage too
0: it's constantly like yeah so that's been my experience I was gonna try to offer some like hopeful nugget but I really don't know I would just go back to your little thing about networking you know Fly yeah. students were always like oh I don't know how to network but you know what I sure do when it comes to storage because I got somebody holding my fan, I got somebody holding a stuffed animal, somebody's in charge of my pillows. Like <laughs> it's crazy out here. You gotta find those little like ins and outs. I mean, that's that's sort of like my suggestion. It's like take advantage of the networking. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. At the same time, do be conscious of how much stuff you have mm-hmm. because I was humbled the first time I had to. Um, pack things away for storage i was like you know i thought i was a minimalist i'm definitely not a minimalist i told myself i would become a minimalist and i didn't so now i'm in this situation where i'm literally willing to spend thousands of dollars on storage instead of getting rid of some of my stuff that stuff is expensive there's more than the cost of boobering storage in like my property you know what i mean so I'm weighing my odds. You know what? I wish I had but your
1: assets,
0: <laughs> My assets? It's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. I swear, like, 75% of that is just books. Girl! There's so many books in my room. They just collect. It's the English major. Actually, it's all the majors, so... Literally. <laughs> There's so many books. I'm like, I'm not getting rid of these. They're just going to have to go in storage, because I spent too much money. But anyways, that's another that's so story. Fair, though. Cause like, why am I spending fifty six dollars on Emily Dickinson's poems? Uh, Emily Dickinson literally like lived here. Why don't I just go take a tour of her old house and then call it a day? I feel like I don't need any more knowledge. Like, we can cap it there and then we can find the free poems on Google. You know. Exactly. Jen <laughs> is your best friend. Yeah. So anyways, anyways, so yeah, I'm always spending money on, on textbooks, but, um, let me see if there's anything else. Oh, you brought up Parents Weekend. I wanted to speak to that a little bit as well. Um, so Angelina, let me just ask you, who do you think that Parents Weekend is for and who do you think that it benefits? It's definitely not for five (laughs) students. I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> no, on a more serious note. It's I would say Parents Weekend is very much like it's just so performative in my opinion. Mm, yeah. It's definitely like this showcase of look at all this money we have that we put into a weekend about you. Mm-hmm. And you know, we provide the students with, you know, all this food. Like they, they'll do catering, which of course I love it because it's so much better than the dining hall food that we <laughs> get yeah but maybe instead of doing like this grand big gesture on this one weekend you can allocate the money that you spend on catering into bettering the everyday meals in the mm-hmm. dining hall and so i feel like it's very much it's very much directed to, to towards like more affluent families like yeah families who potentially donate mm-hmm. to the institution and trying to please them or showcase like look we care about you you know, we appreciate everything you do, which I'm not saying the institution doesn't appreciate it, but they're definitely still almost feigning for it. Mm-hmm. And this is to kind of, like, suck up to them. Yeah. In a way. hmm And so the students whose parents are able to come, that's kind of the expectation. Like, oh, if you're here at Parents Weekend, you know, they'll, they'll be like the little booths, like, oh, these are all the the opportunities that are mm-hmm. offered to students these are all the resource centers but they don't talk about how the resource centers are resource centers are under-resourced yeah like how are we supposed to get resources from them when they don't even have enough of that
0: mm-hmm. yeah oh, that's about my feelings about it too i just think like i don't know whenever i like wake up on parents day or parents weekend or whatever i like look around and i'm like It's just such a big sigh, you know, because I'm like, look at all these happy families, (laughs) and look at me, all of them, just me. And it's like, you know, I know that if my mom could get here, that she would, but it's like, again, I don't even know how to explain it. It's like I'm not trying to say that like this is the most discriminatory practice in Amherst College history, but at the same time, I'm like, bro, it's the little things. It's like. The little things that exist in the campus culture that are signifiers of, like, class status. Mm -hmm. And this happens to be one of them because it's like, um, hello, I couldn't even afford to get myself here. You gave me a travel stipend, which, you know, arguably, because we discussed that before. Because you were like, mm, she probably can't even afford to get here. Like, that was the thought process, right? So then it's like, parents weekend, you know, it just makes you think who is it for and if so then like who are we saying that community benefits most you know uh I don't know what do you think is it because um you just assume that well because for me it's like me being a fly student family is really important to me and community is in ways that I think are exacerbated by my class status because at the end of the day it's like uh you might not have lights or running water but you know what you have you have each other like you have love you have like this bond that ties people together like that sort of transcends some of the financial situations like that's sort of what gets you through that's mm-hmm. been my experience at least and so for me it's like yeah you're right I do like have more experience being in a community and having those sort of like exacerbated com- community ties as opposed to like perhaps like a more affluent student who has been in private school since they were like five, five. yeah yeah so, I mean, like, and I'm not trying to make generalizations here, but I'm just saying this is what my mind, these are the places my mind goes to when things like this happen. Because I'm like, um, hello, Emherst, what are you trying to say to me? Like, is it that you assume that, um, I don't have family or something? <laughs> like, do I come from just a broken place because I'm poor? Exactly. Um, or is it that you think I'm just so good at it that I don't need, I don't need it, you know? I don't need any reinforcement, like like why is it so hard like I'm just wondering you know because it's like if anything for me it's been more difficult to be separated from my family I think than I've seen with some of my more affluent peers who like I said they've been going to programs where they have to leave home pretty consistently and regularly since they were younger that's not the reality for me because my family didn't have money to finance those sorts of programs Mm -hmm. so it's like that's who I've always been around and it doesn't have to do with necessarily like independence because you know coming here I adapted pretty naturally but at the same time it's like um yeah I still miss my family I still miss the place that I came from and the place that I like had to leave to get here like it is still hard and so I don't know parents, we can really be getting under my skin sometimes. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I just want everyone to be happy, whatever. But then I'm like, hey, I'm everyone too, you know? Like, I want to see my mom and hug her, like buy her a plane ticket. I just don't, I talked in the last episode about how, I wish that there was more of a way that there was built in support for like, your community as well when you come here. Because I think that so much of who your community is informs who you are as a student on this campus. And I think that that's not something that has to be taken into consideration for, again, like, our more affluent peers, right? Perhaps that's, like, not something that needs to be accounted for, but you know why? It's because they're the ones who are going to be able to have their parents drive the distance to get here on Parents Weekend. So, no, it's not a consideration because it's not even a thing they have to think about, right? So that's what I'm thinking, like, can we have this conversation, please? Because I think it does. It could influence, like the mental and emotional well-being of fly students on campus just rethinking how we sort of envision community and how we actually acknowledge like fly students backgrounds beyond just like exploiting it for diversification purposes in terms of meeting quotas or things like that so yeah um that was a little bit like a tough little note right there. So <laughs> <laughs> um the last thing that I wanna ask you before we close out today is just if you had any like last words of like parting advice in terms of like speaking specifically again to our audience of like out of state students, what would you say in terms of how you remain connected to the place that you're from but still adapt to all the opportunities that a place like Amherst has to offer?
1: I definitely think that there is a balance between the two um definitely time management like with the curriculum that Amherst offers mm-hmm. you definitely have to schedule in your time that you're going to be talking to your family yeah and I think being able to communicate that with your family as well like figuring out what times work best for both parties and staying committed to that time like well every Thursday we'll talk or mm-hmm. every Sunday we'll talk et cetera. And not only that, but also just knowing that there are other people in your same situation, in your mm-hmm. same position. You know, I have fly friends who also sometimes don't leave for breaks and we'll plan something on our own. You know, we've done, you know, friend Christmases, friend giving, friends giving for Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And we try to bring a little bit of home here and share it with each other. Yeah. So learning about Taylorsville, learning about (laughs) Houston, learning about, you know, wherever else your friends are from and maybe what traditions you would do with your family. Mm -hmm. You know, so for Thanksgiving, maybe we don't eat turkey, maybe we eat tamales Mm -hmm. or, you know, for Christmas, we always play a game Mm -hmm. and just finding ways to bring home here. You don't always have to leave home, you know, where ever home is you can still bring a piece of it here and obviously it's not going to feel the same Mm -hmm. but there definitely is the space and the opportunity and the people to create a new home here yeah
0: in addition to the
1: home where you're from
0: yeah that's really good advice um so i would just echo what you said really um i think Finding community here, like that is a balance as well in terms of like, oh my gosh, me with the generalizations, I got to stay away from them. I'm trying <laughs> to really reel myself in, but the reality is that it is exhausting for me to be around people who aren't from the same like backgrounds that I am in terms of specifically um, income status, which is to say No generalizations meant it's hard for me to talk to rich people like I can do it, but there is a limit. And so the reality is I am actively seeking out people who, you know, I'm not always trying to keep my friend group homogenous or anything. But at the same time, you do have to kind of build that in those spaces where you feel safe and comfortable talking about your class status. Um, in ways that you might not be able to with other people who haven't had the same experiences. And so I do think that it's important to find balance in, you know, your personal life in terms of the sort of company you keep, really, but um, also the sort of things that you're involved in on campus. Like, those can be ways that you connect to your community as well. Um, like, with me as well, still, like, I work with people who remind me of the job that I have back home, which was at Domino's, like, and those are... Some of the people that I'm closest to here, it's like so weird. I know that they like get tired of (laughs) hearing that. They're like, please get this psycho girl away from us, but I'm obsessed with them. So yeah. (laughs) And so, I mean, yeah, it's just whatever ways that you can find to, you know, like really engage with the community that you're from and I think too exactly what you said building in time for that communication those channels of communication with people from home um I talk to my grandma all the time like I know she's sick of me too like she has this joke we have this running joke where she's like you just called to hear me breathe didn't you um (laughs) she's right because sometimes I don't even be saying nothing but I just like I like having her in my ear. Like, it's comforting to me. So whenever I, like, walk to CVS to get something overpriced, then, you know, she's there in my ear. She listens. She's, like, 7 dollars 5 for a half gallon of milk? And I'm, like, stop judging my purchases. But then (laughs) she's, like, then why did you call me? Then I'm, like, I just wanted it to feel like you were walking with me to the store. Like, it's that simple, you know? Whenever I'm walking to the gym at night, like, I always call someone. Usually it's my grandma, but sometimes I'm, like... I think I want to talk to my loser brother today, and then I call one of them because they're both losers, like <laughs> equally. <laughs> I call one of them, you know, ask them like how their day has been, things of that nature. Um, you know, one brother, he knows who he is. He's like, Ugh, it was fine. I'm like, oh my god, why do I even call you and talk to you? But at the same time, it's like that's that's connection for us, you know. <laughs> exactly. Then you that's got, how it works. exactly. Then you got the other brother who's like actually. Telling me things, but then at the same time, he's talking to nine other people in the background. I'm like, Focus, you see them all the time. You never see me. Then he's like, Wait, what'd you say? (laughs) Uh, So, anyways, yeah, that's just like I said, just echoing what you said, not really adding anything, but just saying, you know, yeah, finding your community here because you're not alone. Let people know how you're feeling. I found that the best policy is honesty people actually like to hear you be vulnerable about these things. So, and like they will like lend an ear. So, you know, finding those people you feel comfortable talking to about these things. Um and then yeah, again, just like burning in that time for that communication because it is so necessary, it is so important, and it's not always something that the college supports or provides. Exactly. So, yeah. That was a little bit pessimistic on the end. But you know what? I think that we hit the main points of optimism. They get it. They'll understand. They'll understand (laughs) once they get here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And so is there anything else that you want to add before we close out?
1: I think that we've pretty much touched on everything. I feel like the only thing that I'll say is the college – Process journey mm-hmm. it's scary it definitely yeah. is scary and it can definitely feel like you're navigating it by yourself sometimes or maybe the entire time until you set foot on campus yeah but as long as you have ways to deal with that stress or mm-hmm. to maybe even turn that into motivation to seek a community once you do arrive on campus yeah You know, just doing doing what works for you, doing what you know is going to make you feel better or make you more comfortable as far as the situation and the circumstances that were handed. Because at the end of the day, sometimes we can't choose. Sometimes we do just have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. But we can choose how we deal with it. We can choose how we respond to it and how we internalize it and what we do for ourselves in response.
0: All right, that's great. It's a great note to end on. So, um, once again, Angelina, I just want to thank you for being here so, so much. I always love talking to you, and it was a great (laughs) conversation Um, to our audience. I will say, you know, I'm going to be engaging in lots more episodes to discuss um, the particular ins and outs of certain things. Um, And so, you know, if you have a question or anything come across, you can always, like, leave a comment on the podcast itself using Anchor. Ooh, Anchor helps me make my podcast. Look, I sound like I'm being sponsored, right? <laughs> so, so they should just throw me one out there. They
1: really should. Sure. Look at you doing free promotion on their behalf.
0: No, Recording using Audacity. You're fine.
1: They've already taken too much from you.
0: That's what I'm saying, right? I'm just practicing. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm so cringe. But actually, though, like, any store sell ideas or anything for episode ideas, I can always be reached. Um, And so, yeah. I think that's all that we have for today. And so, I was going to say, wishing everyone a Fly Friday. Whoever's listening to this on Friday, wishing you a Fly Friday. Otherwise, I guess it's just a regular day. But <laughs> well, all right.